Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. So today's message is called Check Yourself Before You Wreck Yourself. Because as we approach 2019, we got to be careful. Because the new year will overtake us like a crazy Asian driver on a highway. You know, like the new year will come in a blink of an eye if you're not careful. You know, before you know it, you know, it's Christmas. Before you know it, it's New Year's Eve. And usually, we only start taking stock of the year on New Year's Eve. I know I used to do it, you know, and on the 31st of December, it will be very mellow because I'll be like, oh, what have I done this year? You know, you start thinking, you start kind of like wondering, have you really maximized your full potential this year? And then, you know, you maybe get a little bit sad, uh, but then you're suddenly hopeful. Oh, but the new year is coming, so I'll start again in the new year. You know, and, but that's not the most productive way of approaching the new year if you only start taking stock on the last day of the previous year. I want us to already start checking ourselves uh, and, and, and almost give yourself a spiritual report card. Oh, is it too real? Very, very silent here. I know some of you go, I, th- I thought I was coming to church. I, I, I didn't know I was coming for report card day. It's okay, it's okay. Nobody's going to grade you. We're, we're going to grade ourselves. And, and, and I want us to come to that place of checking our heart before the new year comes so that we can enter in the new year, not just with the things that we want to accomplish, but also to do better in the things that we didn't do as well this year. Amen? And so whether it's your devotional life, whether it's your prayer life, whether it's your worship life, whether it's your giving, whether it's your serving, you know, it's good to check yourself now before the new year so that we don't end up repeating the same cycle of mistakes again. How many have been there before? You know, you tell yourself, I'm never again, I'm not going to be like this. In the new year, I'm going to change only for the new year to come. And then you realize, oops, I haven't changed. Oh, I'm just going to warn you, today's preaching is going to be very real. <laughs> and so I'm going to pray, amen, for ask for God's peace and ask for God's joy to just prepare our hearts so that it doesn't get too ouch. Let's pray. Father Lord, we thank you for your word. And right now, we just ask for your word to just take over. Lord, even as we open up your word, we want to hear your voice. Lord, in every scripture that we read today. Lord, we want to hear from you. And so Lord, today, even as the end of the year approaches, we want to open up your word and use your word as a mirror to reflect, to check ourselves, to make sure that that before we enter into the new year, uh, Lord, we are able to address and arrest some of the issues in our lives. God, help us to change, help us to be renewed and be transformed according to your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, checking yourself is so important. You know, we do it before we go out and all the ladies say, Oh no, wow, all the leaders. So no, no pastor, we're not, we live for Jesus only, you know. There's no such thing as a full-length mirror in my room. In fact, if anyone wants to give me a full-length mirror during Christmas, I will break it because I don't need, the Word of God is my only reflection. Wow, wow, we have some on-fire ladies in church. No, before you go out, you check yourself, right? Or maybe it's not just the girls who say the amen, some of the guys are like, amen, yeah, and we know some guys are probably, you know, especially now in the modern age, are even more vain than the girls, and any opportunity where there's a reflective surface, they'll be checking themselves. And a few times, I've taken some elevator rides with some church members and I noticed them, I'm talking to them and then they start checking themselves. You know, I'm not even knocking down anyone here. My wife does that as well. I could be having a conversation with her and then a mirror comes by and she starts checking herself. You know, I can just be hugging her in the house. I still remember sometimes when she comes back from work, I'll give her a hug. Hey, welcome back. And the place we hug happened to have a full-length mirror next to it. And I realized that as I'm hugging her, I can't help but she's distracted even in that moment of intimacy. 
and I looked there and I catch her looking at herself. And she said, no, I just want to see how I look like while being hugged by you. I'd be like, sure, sure. So we check ourselves out all the time. The question is, are we checking the right things? Wow. You know, God, God wants us to do well. God wants us to prosper. But at the same time, God has an expectation for us in our lives. You know, some of you might know this or might not know this, but uh, I don't eat fruits. You know, it, that's another message for another day. But I don't eat fruits. I know as I said this, I shared this with some church members before, some of them were like, oh, pastor, you need to be delivered from that fear, you know, from that childhood trauma. And, uh, you know, and, and I, all I can do is just reply to them and say, no, I don't think so. And let's just put it this way, if God created me first, we will all still be in paradise, you know, because if, when Eve offered me the fruit, I'll be like, no thanks, woman, just get that thing away from me. You know, when God says, you can eat of anything except the fruit, I'll be like, I'm good, God. I won't eat even any fruit, you know, so you don't have to worry me falling into sin. Anyway, even though I don't like fruit, God loves fruits. And, and the Bible says that God is looking for fruits in our lives. He's looking for, you know, change. He's looking for evidence that we have been touched by Him. He's looking for us to be fruitful. He is looking for us to be, you know, having signs and symptoms of transformation. So God is looking for fruits. And there are at least three varieties of fruits that God looks for. I know many of us are seasoned Christians and when you think of fruits, you immediately think fruit of the Spirit. But that's just one type of fruit that God is looking for. And that's going to be my third point. So, so don't, don't be afraid. We'll address that. But I want us to also do a heart check and also go through some of these other fruits that God is expecting of us. You know, it's only natural that God expects fruits from trees. You know, if you look at a coconut, you expect, sorry, if you look at a coconut tree, you expect to see some coconuts. You know, if you, if you go into an apple tree, apple tree, and you see, I, I don't like fruits. So I'm getting all the fruit, apple fruit. Apple tree fruit or apple orchard, you expect to see the, the trees bearing fruit. And similarly, God expects us, people who are called His, people who are called His children, to look like Him. Is, doesn't that make sense? Right? We always, when we see a newborn baby, what's the first thing we say? Usually, oh, so cute. And then followed by, oh, I think he looks like so-and-so or she looks like so-and-so. Uh, or if you can't figure out, just start with the first statement, oh, so cute. Can never go wrong with oh, so cute. But when God comes back, He's not just going for oh, so cute. He's also looking for people that reflect Him, people that look like Him, you know, trees that are bearing fruit. So I've got three points for you. I'm going to give you them in advance so they can help me to preach the, true, the three types of fruits that God is looking for. The first type of fruit He's looking for is fruit worthy of repentance. The second type of fruit that God looks for the fruit of our lips. And like I said, the third point, God looks for the fruits of the Spirit. So point number one, what does it mean by bearing fruits in keeping with repentance? I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 3, verse 8. In Luke chapter 3, verse 8, you have John the Baptist preaching and warning the people don't just get baptized. You get the bad fruits as well. How many know that church is not ceremonial? When God comes back, He's not looking for ceremony. He's looking for fruits. 
And so in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And what was John the Baptist trying to say? He's trying to warn the people, don't just say that, oh, I'm fine because I come from the descendant of Abraham. God doesn't look at your lineage. God doesn't look at your racial background. God doesn't look at your, your, your upbringing. God looks for fruits to identify whether you belong to Him or not. And so it's so important for us not to go around going like, no, pastor, I think I'm okay. You know, my, my, my dad's a, a pastor and God's going to say, so what? Out of rocks, He can raise pastor's kids. Some of you might say that, oh, but my, my dad or my mom or my family come from a long lineage of missionaries and elders. And God bless your, your, your ancestors who are missionaries. But, but so what? You know, it's not our lineage that will save us. It's not our, and some of us, we, we, we come to church and I hear this very often, oh, pastor, you know, yeah, you know, I've, I've been having some trouble recently, you know, coming to grips with my faith, but, you know, I wish for the days. Don't we always say that? I wish for the days when, when, I, no, I, when I was on fire serving in my youth group and, and, and when God comes back, He's not going to check your youth group attendance. He's going to check your, your portfolio and go, oh, you were the Christian Fellowship President. Oh, enter into my kingdom. It's not going to be those things that save us. It's going to be our fruits. And so John the Baptist was warning the people, you've got to be keeping fruits worthy of repentance. And what does it mean? It means this, you know, have you repented? yes. What kind of fruits do you have to show to prove that you have repented? And maybe another way to look at it is, how long have you repented? And, and, and I feel, you know, every message, and I know today's message could be a little bit more ouch, a bit more real, but it's okay to come to church because we want the real Word of God, amen? And, and I want you to know that everything I preach, I preach to myself first. In fact, God preaches at me, in me, to me first. And I still remember not too long ago, you know, we have a church in Bristol. Praise God. You know, they're doing well. Keep them in prayer. And every Saturday, me and Pastor Cap will make our way to, to you know, grab a train and, 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 and head for a day trip in Bristol. We arrive there, preach, and then come back that day itself. And so a couple weekends ago, we were on the bus to the Paddington train station. And I remember, because this was the genesis of this message, this is how God preached to me. We were sitting, we happened to be sitting across a father and a son. And the son of this stranger, this older gentleman, uh, the son, of course, looked like he was of adult age, possibly in his 20s, but he was definitely uh, mentally, you know, challenged or disabled. There is a form of disability. Uh, and he... Constantly had violent spasms. He looked happy. He was smiling. He was looking, you know, at the cars passing by. And, and I could, couldn't help but notice the, the father, you know, even though he was sitting next to the son, he was gripping on to the, to the fist of the son very tightly because he knew that every now and then, and after a while when we were noticing, we were observing, every few minutes, the son would just, I, I don't even think he realizes he's doing it, but he will just fling his arms. And because even though he has a childlike mind, but in a very adult body, uh, he, he flings his arms uh, with abandon. And many times, you know, when, when he, he hits something, it's, it's hit with much violence. And, and a few times I saw the dad, you know, he, he was the one that got hit. 
And so he was sitting there holding down the son tightly even though it's a bus ride. Making sure that the, the son doesn't hurt himself or accidentally hurt other people or accidentally hurt him. And as I'm looking at that, my, my heart went out because even though the son looked happy, when I look at the dad's face, you're looking at the face of a man who has, I don't know what other words to describe except that he looked like a man who has had years stolen from his life. There was no joy, there was no peace. There was, he, his eyes were staring as if he was staring away a thousand yards there. And he's probably there thinking that this is my routine. This is what I have to go through. I love my son, but, but this is the burden I have to bear. And when I looked at that picture, I couldn't help but suddenly remember you know, one of the incidences in the Bible where there was also, you know, I'm not saying that this kid is demon-possessed. I'm just saying in the Bible, there was a situation where the father brought to Jesus, you know, his son who was demon-possessed and who also had fits. And every time the, the demonic oppression happened, he would, he would fall into a seizure and start rolling himself, harming himself, and sometimes landing himself into fire. And, and, and this father, out of desperation, was bringing the son to Jesus, asking the disciples to cast it out, but the disciples couldn't do it. And Jesus, of course, did it and had a lesson to teach. And all this while, whenever I read that scripture, I always imagined the boy to be young. But when I saw that play out in the bus ride, I began to go like, maybe, maybe it, it looked more like this. Maybe the father was going to Jesus with desperation. A, a man who has had years robbed from his life because of this disability. A person who was at the end of his ropes. And my heart went out because as I'm looking at that and I'm trying not to look and make things awkward and I wasn't annoyed or anything, but, but I was annoyed at myself. And I feel God begin to ask me this question. Dave, are we shortchanging the world by not becoming more like Christ? And I had to ask myself this question. I'm like, what would Jesus do? And while I'm looking at that play out, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh man, you know, I, 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 my heart goes out for this, this family. I'm like, what would Jesus do? What should I do? What can I do? And, and my mom went wild. I'm like, oh, no, how? Should I go to pray? And at the same time, just to be honest, as even though I'm a pastor, I'm like, God, I, I'm not, I don't have the confidence to pray. God, I, how I wish you were here. Jesus, how I wish you were right here, right now. And you could help relieve this family out of this crisis, out of this burden that they are bearing. And, and I'm, I can't help but think, God, there are so many needs like this in the world. I'm not just talking about physical ailment, but different needs. And the question I felt the Holy Spirit keep asking is this, that are Christians shortchanging the world? Are we really working ourselves and building ourselves towards who and what God looks like? Or are we just playing church? And God began to tell me, Dave, how many years have you become a Christian? Like I say, it's an ouch message, but I'm ouching myself first. And I say, Lord, I was saved since I was 11. And so I'm 36 this year, so I'm at least 25 years a believer. And, and at that moment, I go like, I felt, so convicted. And I go to God, I'm 25 years safe, 25 years in repentance. Are my fruits 
worth 25 years of repentance? And that is a, that's the question of bearing fruit worthy of repentance. We've got to ask ourselves, when did you get saved? When did Jesus become real for you? When did you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Were you 17? How old are you right now? Were you 15? How old are you right now? And what kind of fruits are you bearing? Are they worthy of your repentance? An apple tree, I had to Google this. Modern science has made apple trees able to grow from sapling uh, to full tree in four years, and they can start bearing fruit in four years. But traditionally, using an apple seed or apple core, uh, it will take eight years for a full apple tree to grow from a sapling to bearing fruit. And so if the natural world, within four years, an apple can bear fruit, within, in, in the natural world, within eight years, an apple can bear fruit, what about us? Are you bearing fruit? I felt God challenged me. I'm going, God, I'm, I repent. I'm so sorry, God. And God, I'm, God, help me to bear fruit worthy of 25 years of knowing you. And then God dropped this. Like I said, if it's ouches you, understand that God ouched. Maybe you should start trademarking that word. I just got ouched in church. Not hurt by anyone, not not offended by anyone, but ouched by the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and then the Holy Spirit began to say that, do you know that the apostles only had three years with Jesus? And after that three-year gap, that three-year time, that three-year training school with Jesus, they literally turned the world upside down. And right there, I'm like, oh God, I'm so late in my fruit bearing. God, I'm behind. God, if, 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 if the Bible's definition of three years of repentance equals miracles and healings and church planting, God, I'm 25 years too late. And that's why I'm preaching to all of us as a church. Before we enter the new year, let's begin to check ourselves. Before we add on another year, to our repentance timeline. Let's check ourselves and go like, God, help me to bear fruit worthy of repentance. God, if I'm six years a Christian, God, help me to bear fruit worthy of a person who has been transformed by you for six years. As I'm preaching this, I'm preaching to myself. And so the first point is this, when God comes back, He's not looking for how many ministries you serve in. God's not looking, oh wow, you serve on the worship team and you lead homes? Wow, so amazing. No, God's going to look for fruits. Are we bearing fruits, friends? We need to bear fruits because if, when we're not bearing fruits, we're shortchanging the world. We're shortchanging the masses that God has commanded us to love and to care for and to bless. The world is not our enemy. The world is for us to love and to reach out and to show them there is a better way. We need to bear fruits. And I start praying to God, God, please give me more courage. Maybe those are some of the fruits of repentance that we need to start bearing. Oh God, give me fruits of repentance like courage. Maybe another way to look at fruit worthy of repentance is how long do you want to allow certain wrong attitudes 
and wrong actions to sit in your life. A couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to minister to older gentlemen and, and uh, we were, you know, talking and uh, this person was saying that, oh, I, I love church, you know, I feel so blessed by today's message and, and I feel that God is, you know, using today's message to call me back to serve Him. And I go like, oh, that's great. And coming from an Asian background, anyone who's older than me straight away gets an uncle title. Oh, that's great, uncle. And, and then I go like, what? No, tell me a little bit of your story. And he said, oh, no, I, I, used to be, I used to serve the Lord with such fervency. I said, wow, praise God, uncle. And I used to give to church. Oh, praise God, uncle. And, and, and no, but you know, after a while, I felt that the church only wanted my money. Oh, I go, oh I'm so sorry, uncle. That's, that's not what the church stands for, uncle. I'm so sorry that you, you were made to feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt God begin to release a word. I go like, yeah, I believe that, uncle, that this message is not only for you, but I also sense a word for you that God is wanting to restore and call you back. And I want you to give you an understanding. I said, uncle, you have a gifting called generosity. And, and, and we can, there can be a lot of rich people in the world, but, but not every rich person is generous. You know what I'm saying? And some of our most generous friends don't have a lot. You know what I'm saying? Some of our friends, they don't have a lot, but they're, they're always buying us meals. They're always baking us goods. They're always giving us something. They are such giving people. It's a gift. And I say, Uncle, you have a gift of generosity. And, 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 I, and, and he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor, now that you say it, I remember after one year of getting saved, you know, God started to use me. And I still remember I was traveling somewhere for business and I felt God asked me to visit a certain property. It was a penthouse unit. And when I entered in the penthouse, I don't know why I was there, but as I entered in the penthouse, I heard the voice of God. After one year of becoming a Christian, it's my first time hearing the voice of God so clearly. And it said, this is how you, hear the, this is how you know the voice of God. It doesn't come from here, it comes from here from the inside out, from the heart up, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's right, uncle. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the voice of God. And so yeah, and I stepped into the penthouse, I heard the voice of God say, I want you to purchase this penthouse unit and make it into a prayer center, a prayer tower, so that this place can be used by churches to pray over the city. And I did it just like that. I didn't even ask the property agent, what was the price? I just turned to him and says, I will buy because as, for, as far as I'm concerned, the moment God asks you to do something, you just do it. I go like, yes, that's right, uncle. <laughs> and, then, and then he says that, you know, but along the way, you know, then, then people only start thinking that I'm, I'm only always giving money. And, and that's why I left the church for four years. I'll be like, yeah. They begin giving revelation. I said, yeah, Uncle, I believe that not only do you have a gift for generosity, and that was your fruit of just one year of repentance. Your fruit was generosity. Wow. And I can tell you, Uncle, sometimes as Christians, what we go through, we, we face a spiritual battle. And the enemy, the devil, doesn't like it when we're generous towards God. And he will intentionally make us feel, you know, like we are not worth it. And so I believe that, you know, maybe some disagreements and misunderstandings in your life can come because of the attack on the enemy. And so right now, just get back on track, uncle. And he says, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, the, the four years were very painful. I'd be like, yeah, yeah I hear you loud and clear, uncle. But it's time to get back on track, uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Pastor, you don't understand. The four years, so many words were spoken over my life for the four years. And I begin to ask him this. I, the Holy Spirit began to give me this revelation because he's a businessman. I told him this. I said that, sir, 
if you found out, you, you run your own business, you say, yeah, I do. I'm a self-made man. I say, that's great, uncle. <laughs> and then he says, that if you found out that your accountant secretly steals from you, steals from your company, and he's been stealing for you, from you for the last four years, what would you do? Oh, I will fire the person straight away. That's right, uncle. I will call the police. That's right, uncle. I said that the enemy has been stealing your life, stealing serving from your life, stealing giving from your life, stealing fruits of repentance from your life for the last four years that you were out of action. How long more do you want to focus on the last four years? And I feel that that's another word for us today. Maybe for us, fruit worthy of repentance is this. How long more do you want to sit under that offense? How long more do you want to sit under that timidity? Some of you go like, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time, but pastor, you don't understand, I'm just not the praying type. I want you to know there's no such thing as the praying type and the non-praying type. You can be quiet, but you're still the praying type. Because there's a difference between quiet and timid. And I want you to know that God didn't give us timid. So you call yourself quiet, don't call yourself timid. The next time, you know, <laughs> I hear anyone say, oh, pastor, I'm timid, I'm going I'm to tell you. I'm like, how long more? <laughs> the word of God has said, I have not given you a spirit of timidity or fear. So maybe the next other question to ask, how long do you want to still allow fear to sit over you? Come on, start bearing fruit worthy of repentance. That fruit called courage. The fruit called faith. The fruit called stepping out of your comfort zone. Or, as I like to call it, stepping out of your timid zone. Come on, let's start bearing fruits worthy of repentance. And this is something that is only between you and God. Because you can look all good on the outside. You know, and you might look at me and think that, oh, pastor, you look all very put together on the outside. But until I was so vulnerable with you to go like, I felt so helpless in that bus. I am still in the journey. I am not satisfied with the fruits I'm, I'm producing. I want to produce more. I, I, I'm, I'm courageous, but I want to be even more courageous. I'm anointed, but I want to grow in my anointing. You know, I, I, I want to see God use me, not for my glory, but for His glory, because I don't want to shortchange the world. It's between you and God. So before the year ends, have some time. Set aside some time between you and God and say, God, how long have we known each other? God, help me to know you more. God, help me to not add another year towards that long list of distraction. Point number two, fruit of our lips. Many times we forget that there's such a thing called fruit of our lips. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it spells out for us that besides the fruits of the Spirit, besides fruits worthy of repentance, which we all know, there's also the fruit of our lips. And Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. In other words, God is saying that now that you come to know me, you're going to start changing the way you talk. You know, we talk a lot about becoming more like Christ. 
Do you know another name for Jesus? He's the living word. He's the word. And how can we be followers of the living word if our words, the words of our mouth, have no transformation? I mean, we apply this logic when we travel, don't we? We identify people from their country of origin according to their accent, right? And so when you, you know, of course, in, for Malaysians, you know, we, 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 we're very ashamed of our accent. Have you met people like that before? Oh, I told you it can be real. Have you met like, you know, have you? I, 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 I find it so strange. People from every other country, they're just so proud of their accent. You know, I, I love the French accent and everywhere I go, you know, if, if the waiter or the person behind the, the desk is, is from France, you can hear it. They'll be like, oh, bonjour. Even though you're in London, they still go, oh, bonjour. Merci. Oui, oui. And, 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 then, and, and, and then they're proud of it. You never hear a, a, a French person go like, in fact, they, everywhere they go, they're proud of their accent. Oh, and I just love the way they talk. You know, the accent sounds so beautiful. It sounds so, you know, and maybe for some of you, you know, it's, it's, the Italian accent is, you know, it's, it's very charming to you, right? Or maybe for some of you, it's the Southern accent. I personally think the, the American Southern accent is so charming, it's so disarming, you know? And it feels so, oh, I don't know, just so warm, even though I'm not American. You know, but Malaysians, we, we always like to hide our accent. Among Malaysians, our accent is thick. And then when we start mixing around with friends from other nationalities, we, we try to put up a fake posh accent a fake English accent. I mean, who are we kidding? But God looks at the contents of our mouth. If accents help us to identify the origin, the country of origin for different people, what more the people of God? And God is saying that I am the living word. And one way for people to know that you are my followers is when there begins to be change in the way you talk. And one of the biggest change that God wants to start is this. Let praise always be on your lips. Let it continually be on your lips because this is your sacrifice of praise. And as Christians, we got to begin to guard our language. I don't know about how you speak when you're with your friends, but can we put an end to certain words and tell ourselves that when I'm a Christian, I, I won't, I just, no matter how angry I am, I won't say certain words. And I, I would just not allow, you know, and not talking about curse words, all about other words over your life. How many times have you declared failure over your own life? That is not the fruit of our lips that God is looking for. How many times have you declared death over? And we're good at this. Sometimes we go like, oh, you know, Malaysians. And we speak, our, our English is slightly broken, but highly effective as well. Because we like to believe that we're just summarizing and making the English language more effective. So instead of, oh, this is a terrible disaster. I don't see how there can be a good outcome from this we simplify it with one word, die. <laughs> and if that isn't enough, we add in, you know, a compounding word, sure die. <laughs> what? You haven't studied for your exams on Monday? Die. Sure die. Uh, we need to start changing our lingo. 
We're going to start letting praise, start letting faith. I believe that the people of God should be the most encouraging people on planet Earth. I believe the people of God should be the most polite people on planet Earth. And I believe the people of God, because Jesus, every good thing came out of His lips. Creation came out of His lips. Healing came out of His lips. We've got we to say, God, let the same come out of our lips as well. In fact, some of you might know this or might not know this, but our senior pastor, Pastor Kenneth, he has this conviction. And so I'm telling you this in advance. In the event, he invites you for a movie. Get ready for this. Pastor Kenneth will not watch any movie that uses the name Jesus in vain because he just doesn't stand for it. Because the name of Jesus is, there's power, we sing it. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. Amen? You know, and then we say, what a beautiful name. Yet the world uses it as a curse word. And how do we respond then? Pastor Ken responds by not endorsing anything. And because I know this, every time I never opt to watch a movie with him at a cinema, I'll be like, let's just watch Netflix. If you want to watch, we'll just stay at a church hub and watch on Netflix because in the event, the movie, you know, and it can be an amazing action scene and then somebody just had to use the name Jesus in vain, he will literally turn it off or he'll switch the channel. And, and, and there was this group of people who went to watch a movie with him in Australia and Justice League had just come out. And they're all like, hey, pastor, let's go watch Justice League together. And pastor, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I love hanging on church folks. And you no know, superhero and all that. And, and you guys might not even notice because sometimes you see, we're so numb to it. But there was this one scene where Batman, Batman! Of all people, Batman! That's why the movie didn't do well. Anyway, so... You know, you watch all the Marvel movies, they, they don't use Jesus. Anyway, so... One scene, Batman just had to say, Jesus. Because something happened and he says, you know, and Pastor Kenneth just stood up. It was the middle of an action scene. He just stood up and he walked out. And the church members who were there were in a dilemma. <laughs> Do we... <laughs> Batman is calling me, but pa my pastor is... <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. But in the end, they realize who do you choose between Batman and Jesus? Is Jesus worth to you more than your movie ticket? And painfully, because it's chat with me, painfully. In fact, one of them was Pastor Joe, who leads our church there. After that, he had to counsel some members, you know, he had to comfort them. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Jesus sees your sacrifice. It's okay. I was not looking forward to the It's okay. And I used to be irked by this. I'll be like, oh, pastor. No, we can't help it. We're living in a fallen world. Until I started coming to the UK. Because in Malaysia, the only ever time you hear is in movies. But when I come over here, I hear it all the time. I hear it in the tube, I hear it on the bus, I hear it on the streets. And I, it's, it's gotten to me. And now when I see a movie that has that, I do the same. I turn it off, I switch it off. I, and, and, and uh, you know, 
my wife is saying, help me, I'm not there yet. I help not, you know, so, so sometimes, okay, you don't watch, you watch, and I walk out the room. But it's also because of Scripture. Because I go like, God, I, I, want, I want that to be fruit of my lips. And, 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 and I preach in the name of Jesus. I pray for people in the name of Jesus. I, I want to start like my lingo. It's not, when I say fruit of our lips, it's also not just the things we say or things we don't say, but it's the words we tolerate and the, th- the, the words we don't tolerate. And that's why, you know, our lips is so important. We're going to guard the way we speak. We're going to guard what comes out. And me and Pastor Kat, we have this agreement. And as married couples, and there's some married couples in church, we fight. I know all the single people, oh, my pastors fight? Yes. Behind closed doors, you never see us fight in public. But we do have our disagreements. And there are times, I'll be real, it does get heated. It does get loud. I'm not sure whether the neighbours will hear us. I hope they don't. But we would, we tell ourselves this from the first day we got together. In fact, it started when we were dating. That we already said this, when we get married, the word divorce will never enter into our conversation at any time. It will not be something we joke about. Because some, some couples say, oh, woman, no. The chicken, they're not so good. Oh, they will divorce you. And some, some of my friends think it's, they're being funny. And every time I hear that, I say, that's not funny. That, that D, that's a dirty D word. And, and so no matter how much we are in disagreement and we fight, but that word will never pop up. In fact, I was thinking of doing something romantic once. I wanted to buy her a dictionary. I know, some of you already, like, your eyes glazed over, like, pastor, we need to pray for our pastor. If buying dictionary is his definition of romantic, Lord help him. Jesus, anoint him right now. No, I wanted to give her a dictionary, but with a twist. With the word divorce cut out. And so she can flip through the dictionary, but she'll never find the word divorce. I wanted to say that this is going to be the vocabulary of our household. But more than that, this is going to be the fruit of our lips unto God. Friends, are we bearing fruit on our lips? How about gossip? I hate gossip. Nothing good ever comes out from gossip. Isn't it ironic that we hate to be gossiped upon, but we love gossiping about other people? And that's got to change. Gossip maybe is another word that we've got to cut out from our spiritual dictionary and go, God, God, not on my lips. What other fruits do you want to bear for God? Divorce, not on my lips. Give up, not on my lips. Backslide, not on my lips. Burnout, not on my lips. I told, you know, I told Cat before, I go like, man, I'm called to, to serve God. I, there's really no such thing as retirement. Because Coming from Malaysia, our Prime Minister in 93, he's still working. I got to keep serving until I'm 94 at least because I serve God who is greater than my nation. So, retirement, out. And I'm not talking about you can't physically retire from a job because we all have different callings. But how about retirement from serving? Have you been there before? Some of us, we, we come and we go like, oh, you know what? I serve God in my youth. Now that I'm in my university, now that I'm doing my bar, now that I'm doing my master's, now that I'm working, maybe I can give homes a break. Maybe I can give serving a break. 
Maybe those are some words that we're going to cut out from our lives. Maybe skipping church, in other words, we're going to cut out of our lives. Say, not, not on my lips, God. Not on my lips. What fruits are you bearing on your lips, friends, for God? Point number three, fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Wow. You know, those of us who have been a Christian for a while now, you're familiar. And I believe that we all have some of these fruits. So maybe just using a fruity analogy, maybe instead of asking you, do you have the fruit of, of love, because all of you would have to a certain extent. Maybe the question we're going to ask is this, the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, is it green or is it ripe? Because how many know that you can't eat green fruit? Not the colour green, but in terms of the immaturity. Well, one of the things that Pastor Cat likes is avocado. And I didn't know this because, like I said earlier, I don't eat fruits. And she told me that, do you know that you can't eat... Uh, avocado until it's ripe. And, and, and when the avocado is at its greenest, it's not edible. You have, to, you have to ripen it. And she told me this cool trick about taking a bag and putting a banana in it and how like the banana helps the fruit ripen and stuff like that. And this is a bonus point, but maybe we, we're going to start hanging around the right people that will help us ripen our fruit. But coming back to the maturity of the fruit. So maybe we're going to go through very quickly with the remaining time that we have each of the points and you ask yourself, is it green or is it ripe or is it somewhere in between? And if it's somewhere in between, just shout aloud, help me Lord. Love. The fruit of love. And I'm not talking about love as in like romantic love. You, you have that, right? Even before you're mature, you have that. Nowadays, it's common to hear kids from kindergarten say, I've got a girlfriend. And then I go like, do you even understand the concept of girlfriend? They say that yes. And I learned not to question it. Because it will just lead to awkward conversations. They're too young for the birds and the bees. But anyway, f- fruits of love. When we talk about love, it's love for God. And, and of course, love. You know, a, a, a noble type of love. So how do we know whether... The fruit of love in our life, the fruit of the Spirit called love in our life is on the green side or on the ripe side. We check it. We touch it. You know, like how the housewives shop for fruit, they squeeze it. They poke it. They handle it. So maybe you've got to handle some of these fruits right now and go like, hmm, what do I need to work on? Maybe thump it a little bit. I've seen some housewives know they thump a uh, watermelon. I don't, because I, I don't eat fruits, I don't know what they're looking for. You know, some of them go, you know, they're looking for accolation. I don't know what. But the fruit of love. Do you know when you're mature is when love no longer, it will, when love is no longer a feeling? Let me ask you this. Is love just a feeling or is it more than a feeling? When it comes to God, do we serve God according to feeling? or according to conviction. If you're still loving God based on feeling, then can I tell you, friends, it's not that you don't love God, but your love is on the greener side. It's not ripe. You're going to ask God, help me to work on 
the, the gift of the, the fruit of the Spirit called love in my life. God, I, wa- I want to serve you beyond my feelings. I want to serve you even when it doesn't feel good. And true love is like that. Those of us who are blessed with good parents will know this. Parents love with a sacrificial love. When you were young, I can guarantee you, you ask your parents, they didn't feel like changing your diapers. In fact, one day, you're going to be parents yourself and I guarantee you will not feel like waking up in the morning to feed your child or to change their diapers. But because you love, you go beyond feeling. So, do you love God? Is it beyond feeling or is it still based on feeling? Come on, friends, move beyond feeling. Joy. When you talk about the fruit of joy, what does it mean? The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So where do you draw your strength from? Your spiritual strength. Do you know it takes strength to serve God? It takes strength to minister? You know, where are we drawing that strength? Where are we drawing that encouragement? Is it based on the joy of the Lord? That God is loving us? He accepts us? For me, that became the source of my strength. Growing up, I was insecure. And out of insecurity, I would make myself funny. And so if you ever wonder, why is your pastor a bit funny? Humorously, I hope that's your definition and not the other type of funny. But the reason why I, 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 made, I made myself funny because when I was growing up, I was, I was not popular. I was not athletic. I was not smart. You know, I, I wasn't good looking. So I had to find a way to, to be accepted in class. And, and, and we all, if you flashback, you realize that, that, that school is such a scary place. Right? You know, the, 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 the playground is like your war zone. Remember the time, the first time somebody told you, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. You walk away crying, thinking that, no, that's it. I got no more friends in my life. And so when I was young, I had to make myself funny because I thought that if I had friends, it would make me feel good. It would make me feel confident if I had more friends. If the class prefect would be my friend. If the popular guy would be my friend. If the smart girl would be my friend, then I will feel good about myself. And that was where I was drawing my strength until I found Jesus. And I realized, you know what? Here I am trying to run after my classmates, my peers, trying to seek after their approval so that I can feel accepted, so that I can feel good about myself, so that I can feel strong on the inside. But now that I know Jesus, Jesus, the creator of the universe, Jesus, God himself, loves me? Man, that blew my mind. And I was like, wow. And not only does he love me, he likes me. And as a kid, sometimes like is stronger than love. And go like, you know, because, you know, love is such a general, oh, God loves everyone, yes, yes, yes. But God likes me. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful. You never say wonderful about ugly things. Wonderful. Wow. And then I begin to go like, wow, God, you, when you look at me, there's, there's joy in your heart. The joy of the Lord, knowing that me, created by Him, brings joy to God. That became the source of my strength. Knowing that little me, giving my life to Jesus, brought joy to God and the joy of the Lord became my strength. And I begin to realize that I don't need to chase after 
the people, the, the attention and the affection of people around me, when God loves me so much, wow. Come on, where do you draw your strength from? From your accomplishments? From your achievements? From your, I don't know, from your girlfriend, from your boyfriend? I know some people that have never been single, you know, since puberty. And that's not a good thing because they can't handle being alone. And I had to counsel a girl one time and go like, you need to meet, you got to, you know, because he said, Pastor, I can't help it. I, I keep dating the wrong guy. I go like, you got you to make Jesus the main guy in your life. But, 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 how? You mean I, I go around without a boyfriend, but just Jesus? I say, yep, sister, just Jesus. <laughs> but, but while we laugh, where do we draw our strength? Maybe it's your job. And a season without job makes you feel like you're, you're rubbish. And we all go through that. I know Pastor Cat was being very honest. Many times she shared like that. She said, oh, when I was going through that drought season, when I was looking for a job, and for close to two years, there was no open doors. She said, I had real moments where I go like, oh, I'm not worth anything. Until God reminded her, I define you, not a job. You're going to speak to yourself. The joy of the Lord defines you, not a job. Not your grades not your background, not your singleness or your non-singleness. Point number three, peace. What does peace mean? Peace means surrender. Philippians says that, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will come into our lives and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. See, surrender gives us peace. And so the fruit of peace means that how good is our surrender life in Jesus? Does it make sense? How good are you at surrendering to Jesus? Do you struggle? Then maybe your fruit is on the green side. Work on it. Learn. to you know, One of the fruits of the Spirit is, is being able to surrender more and more and more to Jesus. Is it easy? No. But I want you to know that surrendering things to God and putting things in God's hands is going to be so much more effective than keeping it in your hands. Maybe you need to surrender. I don't know what you need to surrender. Some of you need to surrender your time. And say, God, you know, I don't seem to have enough time. God, I surrender. And out of that surrender comes the peace of God that will guide you on how to manage your time. Some of you, you don't have peace when it comes to, 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 to finances. Maybe what you need to do is not save up or go for more investment seminars, but maybe learn to surrender your finances to God. And then the peace of God begins to come in and help you to manage your finances and help you realize that, hey, you got more than enough. Come on, surrender. Amen? Work on your peace. Point number four, long-suffering. Let's, let's, let's keep the scriptures flash up. Long-suffering. Oh, I love this. I love this. Never has there been another English word that just defines itself. Long-suffering. Friends, are you good at long-suffering? Are you good at suffering for a long time? Is there any other way to define that? And sometimes we forget. We think that, oh, God is good and only has good things in store for us. But, but if we praise God for the good, we've got to give thanks when things are not so good as well. And that's why, linking back to our second point on the fruit of our lips, that's why it's called a sacrifice of praise. Because it's not always easy. It's a sacrifice to praise God. But I'm going to praise Him anyway because God is building within me long-suffering. 
And I wrote here, long-suffering, explain to the church a willingness to suffer. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? Do you know that persecution is real? But I want you to know that the greatest miracles also come out from persecution. Man, when I was growing up as a teenager, our pastors who used to tell us persecution stories from China. Do you know that back then, you know, China, they were so persecuted that they had to be baptized in the middle of the night so that the Gong Anpu do not arrest them. And they had to go to the cold river. I'm like, wow, persecution. But then at the same time, they say, yeah. And then that's, that's why, you know, old ladies who can't walk, when they get baptized in the cold river in the middle of the night, they, when after baptism, they regain the ability to walk. And go like, wow. But then, now that China has seen more prosperity, more development, we've also, according to our missionary friends, hear less and less powerful testimonies. There used to be this book called The Heavenly Man. This guy was so persecuted, he was locked up in prison and, and one day God just flung open all the prison doors and he walked out. And he walked across the border. But now that there's more development and more prosperity in China and persecution has... Do you know what's the enemy of persecution? Comfort. And sometimes the enemy will attack us with comfort. But I want you to know that God desires for us to be people with a godly stamina with a good spiritual pain threshold because it's in going through the pain, it's in going through the fire that we encounter some of our most amazing miracles. So let's work on our fruit of long-suffering. Very quickly now, kindness. I think that's quite straightforward. Charity, in other words, kindness. Because when you're... Kindness is not something you, you talk about yourself. It's, a, it's, a, it's an attribute that other people give to you. Right? You never go like, I'm a kind person. And usually people go like, no, you're full of yourself. Usually you go like, that's a kind person. You know? my, my, my housemate's a kind person. My dad's a kind person. Or, or my teacher's a kind person. Kindness is the good that you show other, to other people, charity. And, and what God is trying to tell us is that, hey, my church, I don't, I'm not just looking for spiritual transformation. I'm also looking for physical transformation. Do you know that the church is not just meant to be a, a place where we just get, no, carried away or, or get lost in the spirit, but it's meant to be a place of refuge and it's meant to be a, a, a playing our part to solve the problems of the world. And that's why we, in our church even, we want to organize the men. And men, if you want to start serving, go see Dr. David after this service and, and sign up because in, in, in the coming weeks, we want to start cooking and maybe going out every other night, visiting the streets, praying for people giving food out, giving blankets out, you know, and, and, and just talking to people. Why? Because being a Christian is not just about praying, it's not just about worship, it's not inside the four walls, it's outside the four walls. It's about the kindness you show to the people around you and the people who don't know Jesus as well. You know, do, do we do that as Christians? When we walk past a homeless person, do we just quick walk faster? Do we turn the other way? Or do we show compassion? How is the fruit of kindness in your life? Moving on, goodness, aka integrity. Goodness, what do we always say about goodness? Uh, the goodness of our heart. It means a goodness that comes from within. A goodness that 
operates when nobody sees. Integrity. Do you know that the world that we live in today is in an integrity crisis? The whole thing about the Me Too movement is the fact that men, especially men in Hollywood, can no longer be trusted to be alone in a room with a woman. Because the men in Hollywood have lost their integrity. And God is saying that as Christians, we need to be people of integrity. People that will do the right thing even when nobody is looking. That's what integrity means. What does it mean for us? Do the right thing when nobody is looking. You know, I can't be with you when you're in your room. How do you honour God? Don't just honour God in Sunday in front of your pastor. Some of you, you're angels in front of me. I hope that you're also angels behind closed doors. Because ultimately, it's on to God. Because God looks at the integrity. Maybe another application of integrity. Simple things like, I'm not going to illegally download stuff. Because that's integrity. I'm not going to illegally stream stuff. You know, it's so ironic recently, I preached at Botswana and I shared this before. And they were telling me about how excited they were uh, when the movie Black Panther came out. And they said that for once, there was such positive representation of black culture on the big screen. And so we all went out to support it. We all dressed our best and we, no, we, we, we went to the cinemas as if we were the A-list stars. And we had our own little red carpet event. I said, oh wow, that's amazing. And you know what's the funny thing? When I talk to Asians, oh, do you know this movie called Crazy Rich Asians? And for so long, we don't even have Asian positive representation on the big screen. And finally, we have it. Have you watched it? Majority of the responses I get is, oh, pastor, I'm just going to wait for it to come online and I'm going to download it. Such an Asian thing to say. <laughs> and while we laugh, it's also, it's, that's not integrous. That's stealing. But, yeah, but nobody's being hurt. Yeah. But integrity is not about who's being hurt. Integrity is about doing the right thing even when nobody is looking. But nobody knows if I download. Yeah, God knows. How is your fruit of integrity? Moving on. Faithfulness. Stamina. The world says this. Insanity is doing the same thing again and again by expecting different results. Christians, we call that faithfulness. Except our focus is not on the result. Our focus is on God. You see, insanity because they focus on the result. But when you focus on Jesus and you serve God again and again and again, every morning you train yourself to wake up and pray again and again and again. And some of the worship team, they serve week in, week out, faithfulness. But God adds on to their life. And it takes stamina to be faithful. Because you can do the same thing faithfully again and again. And many times, without people thanking you. And I'll be honest, I, I don't always, you know, maybe I should do it more often, I don't always shake the hand of everyone who serves and go like, thank you so much for serving, thank you so much for serving. I, I try to encourage every now and then. But they do it without encouragement. Why? Because it's on to God and because they do it out of a spiritual stamina. Faithfulness. Moving on. Gentleness. In other words, politeness. The Greek definition of gentleness is the same as being polite. And I go like, wait, God? I mean, being spiritual and being polite is the same thing? Yeah, it's connected. And so maybe you got to ask yourself this, how's your table manners? Do you know one of the things that impacted my father-in-law? My father-in-law is not a believer. 
And uh, when we first got married, that's another message for another day, there was huge resistance. And he was angry at me because he looked down at my profession called serving God. But not too long ago, when he was touring by Europe, he had some friends with him. And by then, our relationship had gone better. God had brought a lot of reconciliation, praise God. Uh, but it can be better, uh, at least to me, you know, because I, I want to win my father-in-law over. Uh, I want to hear him say, I'm proud of you, son. Uh, even before he says it to Cat's brother. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> He's already said that. I'm just joking. Just joking. Sir, if you're hearing this, I'm just joking. But one of the things that blessed him was when I was, you know, he happened to be around and he brought his friends around and, and um, they were supposed to be on tour. But the tour guide for their London leg of the tour cancelled last minute. And so the son-in-law stepped out and said, Dad, I can show you around. And so I showed them around, brought them to places to eat. And as we were sitting down at one restaurant, it was just out eating. Nothing spiritual. We're not in church. We're not doing a Bible study. We were out in a restaurant. And different ones had ordered food. And the food had come at different times. And, uh, you know, some of them ordered, you know, because they went to this place that uh, I won't name the names, but you can either order a burger or a lobster, you know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> so different meals came at different times and there was a few people and, and my, you know, simple meal that's not a lobster came first uh, and, uh, and, and, they, and they said, oh, no, no, eat, 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 no, no, it's, it's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. And, and other food came and then and the moment, because, you know, when, when a whole lobster is put in front of you, you tuck in. And so when certain lobsters started arriving, you know, the people, whoa, lobster, you know, started eating. And, and I, I, but I waited until everyone. And one of the last people to eat was a friend of my father-in-law, you know. And, uh, and, and he said, no, no, please, no, no, it's okay. And when I waited until his food arrived, and then as he started eating, then I only started eating my meal. Friends, there's nothing spiritual about this. It's just called being polite. It's called being honourable. But do you know what happened after that? On the journey back, this friend turned to my father-in-law and go like, your son-in-law is amazing. I have never seen, I've never seen, you know, a young man with so much manners and so much honour to the elders. Wow, you, you definitely, you're so blessed to have such a good son-in-law. And then he's like, oh, 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 wow. You see, my father is not a Christian. How, how do I reach him? I just need to keep bearing fruits in the Spirit. It's as simple as being polite. You never know what speaks to people. That's why sometimes when church members, when they, when they burp, I tell them, don't burp. Can you imagine, you know? Don't, don't, maybe that's another thing that you've got to remove. That, let burps not be a fruit of your lips. At least say, excuse me, if you can't help it. If the food is too good, just say, excuse me. Burp, excuse me. But don't just burp and, 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 and blow it at another person's face. You know what I'm saying? That's why sometimes in church, I always say this. Guys, let the girls go first. And some guys don't care. Hey, pastor, I don't care. <laughs> I'm there going like, brother, you don't even know. I'm preaching to you. And I'm also setting you up to be attractive to the girls. Because the girls will also notice, oh, that guy, hmm, 
I'll, I'll date any guy except that guy. I don't care if he has six packs. As long as he doesn't have table manners, I won't date him. Right, right, right. That's what you all say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All very spiritual. Anyway, <laughs> last but not least, self-control, aka obedience. How is your obedience? That again is a question only you can answer. It's between you and God. Is it easy or hard for you to be obedient to the things of God? When God challenges you, do you take a week to obey or do you obey instantaneously? Is the fruit of obedience green or ripe in your life? I pray that it will be ripe. I pray that we will all be working towards maturity in all the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? You know, I really believe that God wants to bring us, and I know today's message could be a little bit more painful, but it, like I said, this is the Word of God. And the Word of God is good for encouragement and also correction. And my desire is for us to be fruitful. Because when God comes back, He, he, he looks for fruits in our lives. Not for our lineage, not for our church attendance, not for our church membership. When God comes back, He doesn't ask you which church you attended. When God comes back, He's not going to ask you which homes you attended. He's going to be looking for fruits in your life. And let's, let's, let's give God fruits. Isn't it normal to expect a dog to give birth to puppies? and cats to give birth to kittens. Isn't it wrong for a dog to give birth to kittens and a cat to give birth to puppies? That's an abomination, isn't it? And in modern pop culture references, we say if you see something like that, you burn it with fire. <laughs> but when God comes back and He doesn't see us reproducing after Him, He will also burn us with fire. And my desire is that all of us pass God's test and to be found fruitful in Him. And not just to make God proud, but so that we also don't shortchange the world that God has set apart for us to reach. Let's pray. Father Lord, we thank You for Your Word. And God, right now, help us to reflect. God, this is a two-part message the first part I have preached, the second part is for us to go back and reflect. God, help us, God, before the year ends, to do some accounting with You. To allow You, Holy Spirit, to audit our lives. God, help us to bear fruits worthy of repentance. God, help us to bear fruits on our lips, good fruits, Fruits called praise and life and blessing flowing from our lips. Encouragement flowing from our lips. Forgiveness flowing from our lips. God, help us to bear fruits of the Spirit. And God, while I believe that a lot of us here, we have fruits in one form or the other, but God, help us to mature those fruits God let the fruit of our lips be constant and not seasonal fruits help us Lord to honour you help us Lord 
to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.